This episode of the 501st Cast is dedicated to the following members and honorary members. Eric M. Levine, TK5774 from Garrison Carita. David Evans, SL14310 from Diamond Garrison. James T. Smith, TB271 from Georgia Garrison. Stavros Bartzilas, ID27850 from Hellenic Outpost. Felix Silla, known as the Ewok in the Glider, Tweaky, and Cousin It. And Ira Keeler, the legendary ILM artist who helped create the Scout Trooper armor for Return of the Jedi. Golden Gate Garrison Scouts were on hand to bid farewell to Mr. Keeler at his gravesite. They all have places of honor in our Hall of Eternal Legionnaires. We found the computer outlet, sir. Plug in. You should be able to interpret the entire Imperial network. You are listening to the 501st Cast, the official podcast of the 501st Legion, Lucasfilm's preferred Imperial costuming organization. Stay tuned to global news from the front lines of the Empire as the men and women of Vader's Fist celebrate decades of promoting Star Wars, honing the art of costumes and props, and contributing to the community through charity and volunteer work. Give me regular reports, please. Right. And here are your hosts. Take it away, troopers. Copy that. Welcome back to the 501st Cast, the official podcast of the 501st Legion, Vader's Fist. This is episode 129 for May 2021, and here are your hosts, myself, Todd, TB10078. This is Nikki, DZ8397. I'm Joe, TI and SL12743. And this is Marcus, TK14057. The 501st Legion is currently at 14,322 members, with 31,394 approved costumes in the Legion. Our newest member listed on 501st.com at the time of recording is Maria, CT91002, a new shock trooper for Star Garrison's Central Texas squad. In this episode, we announce our next social media event, talk more about our CRLs with a guest GML, and have fun trooping for May the 4th. Stay tuned. Recent news. So although this next part should probably go in our upcoming events section, we're too excited and wanted to let our listeners know about this right off the bat. In a little under two weeks, we're launching our social media event, 1138, celebrating 50 years of Lucasfilm. This event will be totally online on our social media channels and is being done to support FIRST, the robotics program for school-age kids. We'll talk a bit more about FIRST during our charity spotlight at the end of the show. The 1138 program will run from Friday, June 4th through Sunday, June 6th, and will include a mix of both live and pre-recorded programming. We will be featuring more than 40 guests talking about their experiences contributing not only to the Star Wars universe, but also highlighting their Lucasfilm memories to help celebrate Lucasfilm's Big 5-0. Be sure to stay tuned to our social channels for guest and panel announcements. We should also note that by the time this episode, this podcast gets published, Rebelthon, the Rebel Legion's online social media event, will be underway. They are using their efforts to fundraise for UNICEF. We have a few new additions to our costume reference library since our last episode. 
Our Spec Ops Detachment has two new CRLs and a few updated ones. The CRL for Lieutenant Janik Sunber, as seen on the Dark Horse comic Star Wars Empire, is now live. Second Sister, as seen in the game Jedi Fallen Order, is now live. And they've updated the CRLs for the Nova Trooper, Nova Trooper Medic, and Nova Trooper Elite. All three of those costumes can be found in Star Wars Galaxies. Our Clone Trooper Detachment has updated the CRL for the Clone Stealth Pilot and added CRLs for the Heavy Clone Trooper Phase 1 as seen in Battlefront 2. And also from Battlefront 2, the 91st Reconnaissance Corps Phase 1 is now live. And if that sounds familiar, it's because we talked about the Phase 2 costume CRL being added last episode. Those costumes are all now ready for independent GML approval. As always, you can check out links directly to each new CRL in our show notes, and you can see the full list at 501st.com slash CRL. Thanks again to the Legion membership team for these updates. So last episode, we launched a new 501st 101 segment uh, and gave you a brief explanation of what detachments are in the 501st Legion. So if you missed that, go back and listen to the last episode. This time, we thought we'd talk a little bit more about our costume reference library, or CRLs, and uh, also the, the ins and outs of costume approvals. Uh, so to help with that, uh, Todd wrangled in his Garrison's GML, which is another acronym we could teach you, which is Garrison Membership Liaison, uh, to to help us talk about that. Obviously, longtime 501st cast listeners have heard us you know, ramble off the new CRLs that are added. Uh, we usually have a good chunk of those for every episode. We just, you know, read them off our, our new clone trooper that have been added. So you're hopefully most of our listeners are vaguely familiar with, um, what our costume reference library is about. If not, you can go to 501st.com slash CRL and, oh, I didn't even think to count. We have like hundreds of costumes in our cost- costume reference library now. Um, and we also have Star Trek chimes, apparently, in our podcast right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but obviously, these are our resources that our Garrison Membership Liaisons can use to help members review their costumes when they want to submit them for 501st Legion approval. So I know that there's a lot of members that... Um, or I should say people who are looking to become members, uh, they will look through our costume reference library. And sometimes if they, you know, they get overwhelmed or also they'll notice that the costume that they want to make is not included yet in our reference library. Uh, so I wasn't sure if we wanted to maybe start with how does a CRL come to be? And then we can uh, circle back to what Todd was talking about earlier and talk about how changes to our CRLs, which they're always evolving. Uh, we've talked about that before on the show, um, how that affects um, people's costuming. Um, so, Dean, why don't we start off with a little insight from, from the GML side on how do CRLs come to be? Yeah, we call those new to the Legion costumes, and sometimes a member wants, or a potential member, wants to do a costume that we simply don't have a CRL for yet. And what we do is we encourage those, uh, those folks to go to the detachment, um, and you've covered detachments in other episodes, uh, and, uh, 
work with the detachment to build a costume. So what they do is under the supervision of the detachment, they will build the costume they want uh, to make and then they'll sort of document that process um, and sort of look at uh, look at screen captures from the movies, references in comic books, things like that, and sort of define what this costume is supposed to look like. Uh, and then they'll sort of write the CRL as the uh, as the member is building the costume, and then they will become the CRL model um, for that character when it gets published, and that'll be the, the sort of the first costume in the Legion. Very cool. So then, Todd, you had a, a specific sort of scenario that you wanted to, to sort of talk about. Yeah, you know, I would like, uh, uh, Dean, to, if, you, if you could help us and our listeners understand you know, sometimes these CRLs change, right? We learn new information. We um, get additional, you know, a costume finally goes out on tour and we, uh, you know, get a, a different view or a nice close-up view we haven't had before. And so the CRLs get updated. And so how does that affect, you know, a, uh, like I said, a prospective member who's been building a costume and the CRL changes and they've already like been working to a certain set of specifics that then change? Yeah, luckily that doesn't happen too often. Uh, but when it does, we're we're generally pretty lenient. There's no real official um, like legion-wide policy, but um, the rule of thumb among GMLs is sort of like to give maybe like a, a six-month um, grace period, where if you've already started the costume and you're working towards it. Um, and then it changes at the last minute and you've already put a lot of work in, then we're not going to make you meet the new standards. We're going to go and approve you in the old standards. I mean, I had a member who was working on a, like a, uh, gorget like a leather gorget for like the seventh sister costume and then they changed their standards after she'd been working on this thing for like three months and she would call me in tears and like oh no i put all this work in uh, and i just told her don't worry about it you're we're gonna approve you um you know under the old standards so that's not a problem our our, our overriding um sort of concern is just we want new members and we want to get you approved so we're definitely on the uh on the member side Ah, excellent. Now, to be clear, though, like because, you know, all the garrisons sometimes, you know, may operate a little bit differently and there's no one Legion standard. What you're describing is kind of your approach within your kind of realm of responsibility, right? Yes, absolutely. You should always check with your own garrison and your own GML um, for specifics because uh, even though we have published CRLs and they look like very detailed, there's a lot of stuff that is just open to interpretation. Um, and some GMLs might accept it and other GMLs might kick it back. So um, we always tell people, like, if, if you're looking for information out on some other forum like Reddit or one of the Facebook build groups, um, those are great places to start and you can get a lot of great information from that um, but ultimately you should you should always go back to your own gml because they're going to be the ones making the decision perfect thank you so moving on then from kind of new applicants or costumes in process let's say i've got a costume that i've already been approved in and a crl changes how does that affect me as a member how does that affect any member who's already been approved and now the costume has, you know, CRL has changed. 
Yeah, the the good news is it doesn't affect you at all. So um, we never make a member go back and update their costume based on a CRL change. Um, the only thing that we require, which is also something that every garrison is going to um, be a little bit different, is that we require that you keep your uh, keep your costume up to the standards uh, it was approved at. Right, which basically just means you can't let the costume deteriorate um, because trooping is really hard on costumes. So you can get cracked plastic, frayed straps, you know, faded paint, etc. So uh, if 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 me or one of our other officers in the garrison notice a costume starting to sort of like drop below what we would consider approvable standards, we will um, we will start with just encouraging you um, nicely. Uh, to sort of work on those things and get it back up to the quality that it was approved at. And armor parties are a great uh, opportunity to do that sort of thing. Um, in, in extreme situations, we might have to disqualify a kid from trooping if, if, the, if the trooper just lets it go so far um, that the quality gets really bad. Makes sense. Yeah, so really, members are grandfathered in once they're approved. You know, and if their kit stays up to par as from what they got approved in, they don't have to uh, keep up with any CRL changes. Yeah, we don't make them like keep chasing yeah. the newest standards because that that could get expensive and time consuming, and we just don't really think that's that's fair to ask. So, what about uh, additions or modifications that people want to do? You know, say like to uh, add a new weapon or. Um, you know, I don't know, somebody's got a, um, uh, you know, I'm not too familiar with the clone troopers, but say they've got a clone trooper and they want to add, you know, one of the stripes of color to it, you know, can they do that then after they're approved? Yeah, this is another thing that's going to be individual garrisons are going to have their own policies. Uh, but our policy in our garrison is that, you know, as long as it's an approved uh, accessory or the modification you want is still meets the CRL, um, you can do that. All I ask is that you sort of just give me an informal heads up, right? And we see that all the time with some of their boots wear out or they say, hey, this costume allows a pauldron and I got a pauldron and I want to wear it now. I just ask it, hey, just send me a snapshot of the new part you want to do or the modification you want to make. I'll give you a quick yes or no. But we don't require the full suite of like, you know, we need all the turnaround photos and we need all that. It's not a formal process. It's just like, hey, just give me a heads up, you know, make sure everything's cool, you know, that, okay, yeah, those boots are fine or, you know, that pauldron's going to work. So we keep it informal, but we do ask um, that if you're going to modify your costume, um, that you you run it by um, run it by the GML first. So the really the. The key there is always run it by the GML so you don't get in trouble. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think one of our Vaders in, our, in my garrison, he he was just very keen on, you know, making upgrades to different pieces of his costume as he, as he came across them. Mm -hmm. um, but eventually, over the years, it got to the point where he was like, okay, I need to take a whole new set of photos for the website, you know, for the GWL, which there's another acronym that we should talk about at some point, um, to put up on 501st.com because he's just, I mean, he was still, I forgot which version of Vader, uh, he was still the same version of Vader, but all of his pieces were just nicer. And he's like, I need new photos. But it really didn't affect his his membership. He didn't have to get reapproved or or any of that kind of stuff. But yeah, over uh, time, he just kept, kept changing out parts. 
Mm-hmm. And 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 yeah, that's fine. There's the, the only thing we ask is that you do stick to the uh, you do stick to the CRL because um, it, it can be tempting sometimes. You know, it's like oh, those pauldrons look really cool. I want to wear a pauldron with my stormtrooper, or wow, that's a really neat blaster. I want to carry that blaster. Um, but if it's not actually approved for that character, then we'll kind of say, yeah, no, no, that's really not cool. So. Yeah, with the uh, costume upgrades, it reminds me of a recent uh, scene in, um, was it the WandaVision series? And this isn't really a spoiler, but it's just a story they told, right, about how there was like a ship. And every so often they need to replace a piece and replace another piece and replace another piece. And over the years, every piece, piece got replaced. Yeah, does the that ship mean, of Theseus. Yeah. So it's like, well, does the ship actually exist anymore then? Is it the same ship if it's actually yeah. completely re- replaced over time? If if you've been checking with your GML along the way, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to do that. Uh, that story as an addendum on the bottom of the the CRLs. There you go. During your time as GML, what was the, I guess, hardest costume to approve? Maybe that you had no prior knowledge of. Did you have to consult somebody uh, in different garrison? Hey, you know, I saw you guys have this in your garrison. This is our first one. Is there something like that that came across where you were absolutely stunned? Uh, wait, wait a second. You know, I've never seen this before. Um, I need more research or I need more opinions or. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there, there's always, you, you can't be an expert on every single costume. And sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, a costume comes across your email that it's like, okay, I've never done this one before. So a lot of the job as GML is just doing a research. Um, you know, we, we're we're in the CRLs constantly, and we're in the detachment forums constantly. And the GMLs have their own special forum uh, that's just open to GMLs on the main 501st website, where we can go in and we can ask questions of other GMLs and the detachment, um, sort of the detachment officers, mm-hmm. and say, "Hey, I've got a costume here. I've got a Darth Revan." And, you know, the, the CRL says there shouldn't be any decoration on the boot, but these boots have this, like, lines of stitching down the side. Um, what do you guys think? Right? right. And then you'll get the opinions from the detachment or other GMLs to help you make that decision. Because there are just an awful lot of gray areas um, where it's just like the CRL doesn't mention it or something where it says no, but this is kind of minor. Boots are always a big one. Right, where it's sort of like, you know, this one has this little stretch panel here, this one has this little flap here or a tab here. Is that okay? The CRL says like no ornamentation. Does this count as ornamentation? So we definitely can sort of bump it up to a higher level and get additional input um, mm-hmm. from other people. Um, but as far as one particular one, nothing stands out, but there's been a lot of sort of one offs or, you know, First to the garrison costumes, where you've sure. never done one of these before, where then you have to like dig in. Um, and sometimes parts can be like, okay, this doesn't really exactly match the CRL, but it's such a common part that everyone buys, it sort of gets grandfathered in. So there's a lot of stuff you learn as you do the job. Um, you know what what kind of can fly and what can't. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Dean. Thank you so much for your expertise. And your uh, thoughts on how the CRLs work and changes. And uh, we really appreciate you being here. Uh, it was my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. About a month ago, um, Fire Force Legion founder Alvin Johnson was invited to be a guest on the Nerdy Over 30 podcast. 
Alvin says, if you miss being a cons, you can pretend you're sitting at the bar at a con or hanging out with us. It's just like being there. Check out the link in our show notes to catch Alvin's episode. And now a word from one of our sponsors. Are you looking to get away from it all, but don't know where to go? Afraid to ask somebody, perhaps, for fear of where they might tell you to go? Use that fear to your advantage and come to Korriban. Here in one of the furthest corners of the charted galaxy, you can turn fear into an ally while at the same time exploring ancient ruins and learning the truth about the most powerful period in galactic history. See the majestic wonder of the Sith Academy, where only the darkest and deadliest of art forms were practiced. Experience the thrilling adventure of a Sith tomb, where the final resting place of an ancient dark lord could very likely end up being yours as well. You'll even be protected by ferocious man-eating Tarantitex to guide you on your journey, of course. So join us for an action-packed vacation you'll never forget. After all, what happens on Korriban stays on Korriban. <laughs> Brought to you by the Korriban Department of Tourism. So obviously the other big thing that has happened since our last episode that we've recorded um, is Bad Batch started on May the 4th. So I think everyone here is caught up. Maybe Todd's behind. I have not had a chance to check it out yet, but that's okay. You know, I'm really uh, encouraged by, uh, you know, hearing what you guys have to say about it and how much you're liking it. Uh, you know, don't worry about spoilers on my account, but hey, for the listeners out there. Yeah, for the rest of the listeners, watch yeah. out for spoilers. <laughs> spoilers for the first three episodes, look out. <laughs> Uh, so I took and I went back before, like on May 3rd, I watched um, the first, I think it's three or four episodes of Clone Wars season seven um, so that I could have a, you know, a refresher before watching Bad Batch. So I don't know, did anyone else do that or is, I is did. it just me needed um, reminding? <laughs> all of the Clone Wars episodes pertaining to Clone Force 99, I did a little bit of research first uh, and nice. I rewatched all of those. And uh, so I, I knew what to expect when there were, there were allusions in the Bad Batch to those episodes. I knew exactly what they were talking about. And I'd recommend that for uh, pretty much anybody watching Bad Batch for the first time. Uh, just do a little research, maybe Google search Clone Force 99 and what episodes of Clone Wars those pertain to and go watch those because it's a really good buildup for uh, Order 66 and what occurs uh, so far in the Bad Batch. Yeah, the most interesting aspect I've, for me was, I mean, I'm glad the animation stayed the same, um, as, as in Clone Wars. Um, the really good aspect, great aspect for me is that it happens after Order 66, which we haven't been, you know, exposed to in a, in a great, great amount, like right after. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm eager to see what's going to happen to, to those, um, you know, to the, to the Bad Batch and, and, and beyond. So I'm, um, I'm happy that, uh, it got off to a good start and I'm, I'm glad they have a good bunch of episodes still coming up. It's not like, you know, like a six episode arc. It's, it's, what is it? How many is it? 16 or, or 15? Um, so there's a whole lot of storytelling still to come and I'm excited for it. I think another good idea too would be to watch, uh, maybe the last half of the last season of Rebels, uh, before going into this because, um, there are some, some things have pertaining to Star Wars Rebels, uh, such as Caleb Doom, uh, that, that are also involved in the uh, first episode of the Bad Batch. And if you don't know who, uh, Caleb Doom is, well, um, 
watch Star Wars Rebels. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, of course, Apprentice to Depo Balaba. Yeah, I've been watching it with my, uh, my 15-year-old daughter who's a huge Star Wars fan and, and future uh, Legion member. She already has her costume picked out. She's going to be a scout trooper, so I'll be coming to you, Todd, our local expert on scouts. But uh, she she loves it just because they get into a lot of um, sort of the history of Star Wars and stuff that's been mentioned in, uh, in other venues, but like, you know, the transition away from clones to enlistees, right? The tra- so the transition from clones to stormtroopers and, and why the Empire made that decision to stop using clones for their, for their army, uh, and just the rise of the Empire in general. She's really fascinated by that because no other show has really covered that. And, and she's just a huge nerd. So she's like really like just totally like vibing on that. Well, I was somewhat disappointed that they were still, you know, utilizing clone armor, but I'm sure by the end of the the season mm-hmm. that they'll start to transition. I hope so. Yeah, it'd be great to see the, the you know, the uh the launch of the of the classic stormtrooper armor in this series. That'd be great. Well, it's interesting to see how uh Tarkin, Admiral Tarkin still, uh is having a major say in the transition from clones to stormies. And uh we saw, I think, uh at least in my opinion, that the third episode, our first batch, no pun intended, of stormtroopers, real stormtroopers, conscripts, uh mm-hmm. in action. Uh, and of course they were uh more of a uh, black ops unit perhaps than uh standard stormtroopers. But uh I think I could be wrong, but I think that is our, I think episode three of Bad Batch basically showed our very first stormtroopers in the chronology. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I did see something on social media regarding Bad Batch that I thought was interesting and plausible. You know, already in like Clone Wars, you know, they sort of retconned that it was uh, Rex that was um, at the uh, battle for Endor, right? Uh, instead of the, uh, you know, the, the rebel character that gets dressed up in the scout armor. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. so there was a connection that somebody observed, and there is apparently a character in Moss Eisley Cantina in Star Wars A New Hope that has, you know, he's very old and kind of sunken face at this point, and he's got like these, uh, a trilogy of, of connections on the side of his face, these three bumps. And uh, someone's like, hmm, could that potentially be Echo? I saw that picture. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of the one thing that I find strange. Like, why is Echo still pale? I understand. Yeah, he needs to get a tan, (laughs) man. It's like, dude, get outside. (laughs) I understand how he got pale. I understand how he got pale to, you know, begin with. But now... Wouldn't he at least pick up a little bit of color? I don't know. I mean, I'm assuming this is easier animation wise and, you know, marketing wise and everything, you know, to keep him looking the same throughout the whole season. But I'm just like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I hope that I hope we transition him over over the, the season to, to a regular skin tone. But that's just me. I don't know. I just thought, I mean, unless something, you know, like a physical trauma, you know, sometimes people's hair goes white. You know, maybe he had such physical trauma that his skin is just going to stay white. I don't know. But I was like, shouldn't he pick up some more color now that he's back out of his little tube? (laughs) But whatever. 
Yeah, now we, <laughs> my daughter, we, we had the same comment because it's very, no, very noticeable uh, how pale it is. <laughs> so how's the cast listing for the episode? Is it just, you know, James Arnold Taylor, James Arnold Taylor, James no, Arnold Taylor, James Arnold, you know. <laughs> Bradley Baker. Oh, Bradley other, Baker? Yeah, the other three-name oh. person. <laughs> so I got them mixed up. I, I think D. Bradley yeah. Baker, uh, to a large degree, and uh, to some extent, Stephen Stanton make up about uh, 80% of the cast yeah. right there. <laughs> wow. Yeah, if you yeah if you pause on the credits, like the the whole first screen is just basically you know Bad Batch by D. Bradley Baker, <laughs> and then the next screen is anyone else who happens to be in the episode. That's Which great. that was the other thing that sort of pulled me out of it is um how they chose to do Caleb Doom's voice. Um, they they got Freddie Prince Jr. to do the voice, but it just, I don't know. I mean, I have an 18-year-old, and his voice obviously has changed over the years. But when he was what I assume is Caleb's age, he didn't sound like a 40-year-old. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know. That was just a little odd to me. But I'm not sure if you could have easily gotten someone younger to try to sound like Freddie Prince Jr. So, I guess it is what it is. Yep. Depends but. how old uh, Freddie Prinze Jr. Jr. is. <laughs> I don't know, actually, what children they even have. I know they have children, but I don't even know if they have a boy. I always um, uh, really liked his performance, though, in, in Rebels. Uh, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, it's nice to have something, you know, to watch on Fridays again. So, because uh, we had gone from basically WandaVision, making sure we watched that every Friday, then Falcon and Winter Soldier every Friday, and now uh, Bad Batch every Friday. But then Loki, they're going to move it to every Wednesday. So we'll have to rearrange our, our TV watching schedule. <laughs> what else do we have coming up? We have a Kenobi series coming up and uh, the Book of Boba Fett. Uh, I think it's coming out uh, next, I think. Uh, if I could be wrong, but there's just so much to look forward to, and uh, it's a great time to be a Star Wars fan. It really is. And there's also, uh, I think, the series. I think it's currently filming, isn't it? The um, with um, Diego Luna. Yeah, Andor. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, the Cassian series. I don't know what the release date is on that. Yeah, I have to. I have to assume that like COVID has like pushed a lot of those dates back for some of those. Yeah, I was watching the behind-the-scenes special for Falcon and Winter Soldier, and they they were trying to film in Prague um, right when COVID hit, and they had to scramble to try to fly like over a hundred people back to the states wow. before they got trapped in, in that country. So, yeah, it definitely puts a wrench in the works. Is is anyone else calling that show Falcon and, and Winter Snowman, or is it just me? Because <laughs> I think it's just because I'm Gen X and that movie, The Falcon and the Snowman, from like back in the day, and so I keep calling it that. <laughs> I haven't gotten it right a single time. Uh, Not a single time. <laughs> no, I haven't called it that, but I was calling WandaVision uh, Long Division. <laughs> just just because it sounded so so similar. Who wants to do some long division? Oh, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> so I don't know what to think about um, Omega yet, though. I, I She's grown on me, honestly. Yeah. Um, it, at first I was like, oh, another, another, like, you know, young kid 
you know, sidekick kind of thing, but she's really grown on me. Um, so I, I have, I have high hopes for the rest of the season. So I'm very um, curious. Uh, she is a clone, a female clone. And, uh, her Kaminoan, uh, overseer there, Namase, I think her name is, was very eager to ensure that she got off of Kamino before too late. So, um, there it has to be some kind of explanation, which I'm sure we'll get before too long, as to what Omega's purpose is. Uh, because She's the chosen was, one. It was very important to Namase, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, yeah I, I, there's a lot of sort of like, you know, plots that I think they can really do a lot with. Omega's one of them, obviously. I love um, the whole dynamic with um, with Crosshair. Right. And him being the bad guy who's hunting them down because it gives so much like opportunity for just really interesting narratives. Right. Because here's this person who's hunting them, who's obviously very dangerous. So they're both trying to get away from him, but they're also trying to save him as well because they mm-hmm. still have that connection. So I think that was a really great choice. My first reaction was, no, no, don't don't do it. He's he's one of the he's one of the team. Right. But the more I thought about it, it's like, oh, that's, like that's going to be a great like narrative device for the for the whole season is and maybe beyond that. It's like, how do they I, I like to think that eventually they will get him back. I, I think that would be a great arc for that mm-hmm. character. Um, but I, I think it it's really interesting. So I'm glad they did it, even though at first I was I was sad. So, yeah, I, yeah. I think it'll come. I think it'll come around. Um, there's going to be, you know, I think they're going to be. Ending up together again, um, in a, you know, in a good way. Um, yeah. yeah, I think so. Now about, about, um, Omega, just like, um, Joe said, you know, she's a clone. Omega is, you know, the last letter of the alphabet, of the Greek alphabet. So yes, um, I think she incorporates a lot of the skills that the other clones have. So I think we haven't seen her entire skill set yet. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if she can lift, you know, big boulders um or heavy stuff but um she has other like when when she took on that blaster and she she used that you know in, with with perfection um that sort of has you know the, the crosshair i guess skill set and um i think over the episodes now that she you know it's probably fully integrated into the team she um should be very i think very valuable and i think we'll see some surprises there what she what 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 she can do yeah, and one of the episodes she um early on, she was kind of mimicking what I think Hunter was doing. Mm-hmm. And I at first I was like, "Oh, you know how cute she's, you know, <laughs> mimicking her idol, you know, how little kids always want to do everything that, you know, the older kids are doing." But but then I'm like, oh, "I wonder if that is her talent that she can like instantly learn things mm-hmm. by copying them." And the, like like you said with the blaster, you know, she saw other people using the blaster, and even though that was the first time she picked up the blaster, she was all of a sudden able to use it with great proficiency. So we'll see. Yeah. Be very yeah. interesting. Yep. We'll see. This is Admiral Wilhoff Talk, and asking you to listen to the Five O First Cast. Otherwise, we'll steer the Death Star in your direction.
On Saturday, March 13th, over two dozen members of Imperial Sands Garrison, the Rebel Legion, Mandalorian Mercs, and other Star Wars groups in the San Diego region attended a drive-by event for Miracle Baby's diaper distribution in National City, California. Troopers directed traffic and cheered on waiting cars as staff from Miracle Babies handed out diapers, thermometers, sanitizer, and baby formula to over 500 needy families. The troop was even extended by an hour because of a record number of families signing up for these critical supplies. We'll have links to photos from the event in our show notes. And many thanks to Jamie, TI67076, for that report. Early springtime in the tri-state area means polar plunges. Both Empire City Garrison in New York and Northeast Remnant Garrison in New Jersey participated in polar plunges earlier this year. Empire City Garrison attended the Special Olympics Polar Plunge at Tobey Beach on Long Island on Saturday, March 13th. Due to social distancing requirements, the usual two-hour event was spread out over four hours, with small groups of plungers coming every half hour. To accommodate this and to keep to the four to five characters at any one time, ECG set up an early shift and a late shift. Sadly, they had no changing area of any kind, and they were forced to do the old-fashioned parking lot change. Not ideal, but our troopers were eager to be back in the field again. This event helps sponsor Special Olympics events throughout the year, and ECG was happy to support their efforts this year. But they did not go so far as to take the plunge themselves. They were just there to, to entertain the kids and adults and take photos. But ECG had a great time welcoming the plungers and their family and friends as they arrived, and as each group plunged, they would cheer them on and then repeat the process for the next group. It was a bit cold and breezy, but they soldiered on and had a great time getting out there working with the current restrictions. This troop was also the debut of two new costumes from ECG's troopers. Matt, IG62257, debuted his fantastic Imperial Gunner, and Jeff, BH51391, debuted his incredible Mandalorian. They also both, those two members, also did double duty and stayed for the early and late shift to make sure to maintain coverage. There were some very enthusiastic kids and adults who really appreciated seeing the 501st there. But of course, Baby Yoda stole the show much of the time. Then on March 20th, ECG braved the chill again, this time Special Olympics Polar Plunge at Rockaway Beach in Queens. Again, due to social distancing requirements, the usual 90-minute event was spread over three hours, with small groups of plungers coming every half hour or so. Troopers braved another chilly parking lot suit-up to help support a worthwhile charity. This troop was also the debut of a new costume from one of our members, Joe, TB17824. He debuted his amazing Shadow Scout. There were far fewer attendees than in past plunges due to the current situation. There were, however, some very enthusiastic kids and adults who really appreciated our presence there, including some random folks passing by on the boardwalk. Last but not least, neighboring garrison Northeast Remnant also attended a polar plunge. Their team raised an amazing $4,570 for Special Olympics New Jersey. They had such a blast fundraising for this great cause and can't wait to freeze their buckets off again in 2022. <laughs> um, I have another mission report here uh, from Mid-South Garrison that's um, Tennessee that's my garrison we had a, a convention in April called the ICCC which was the third installment um, um, last year it was cancelled and this year it, um, it went forward as scheduled and we had a great turnout not just guests but also visiting Garrisons, and here I'm gonna just just 
list all the garrisons that came over um, to Nashville. We had Bloodson, we had Bluegrass, we had Carolina, Florida, Alabama, Star Garrison, and I believe that is it. And of course, Mid-South Garrison. So a lot of troopers came, you know, drove hours, flew in um, just to be, you know, just, just to experience, I guess, the the convention circuit again. And it was, we had uh, at some point um, 30 troopers, I think, um, you know, staffing a table, walking the floors. So it was, it was pretty awesome. And we had guests like James and Taylor. We had um, Stephen Costantino who played um, a, Gamor- a Gamorrean Garden in Jedi. We had Danny Logan coming. The guest list was a bit shorter than the previous years um, due to travel restrictions, um, especially the people from overseas who came in previous years. They, they couldn't make it, um, but it was, it was such a great turnout. Everybody had a really, really good time. Cool. Yeah, it looked like there was there was a fair amount of um, Star Wars celebrities that were going to that one. Yep. That's fantastic. I'm really glad to see so much participation. You know, we're all, I think, really missing getting out there and, uh, you know, doing these community and charity events, interacting with people. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's scheduled for next year already um, for April, before celebration. And uh, Ian McDermott was the first confirmed guest. So that's going to be awesome. For next year. Yeah. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Well, as we talked about on the last episode, Empire City Garrison helped out at the Cerebral Palsy Association's COVID-19 vaccine distribution program. When it came time for those same folks to return for their second doses, the 501st Legion was on hand again to welcome them back. ECG trooped at the Roosevelt Center from March 30th through April 2nd in both morning and afternoon sessions. This was a special program for the adults and children in the agency with disabilities who are eligible to get the vaccine, and they wanted to add some excitement to the event. Troopers greeted participants when they entered and posed for photos when requested. They had between 30 and 50 participants coming during each day to get their vaccine, and they were accompanied by their parent or legal guardian. Our troopers followed all guidelines. They had to attest that they had not had COVID in the past 10 days, that they had not been exposed or in quarantine and that they were feeling well on that day. Plus, there was a form to fill out before suiting up, and masks and social distancing rules were in effect. CP Nassau was very appreciative, and they thought it was a great way to distract from COVID-19 and do something fun with vaccination experience. They also had a free raffle with an optional donation for the agency, and a baby Yoda, a.k.a. Grogu, animated figure, was donated by the ECG. Chris pulled the ticket, We'll link to that video in our show notes. And it helped raise $210 for CP NASA. Well done, ECG. On April 24th, our Alaskan garrison finally had the opportunity to return to in-person trooping for the first time since the pandemic began. Although the American Heart Association's annual heart walk and run went from thousands of people participating in person to a partial in-person event, it was still a unique opportunity for the Alaskan Star Wars clubs to continue their partnership with AHA. They hosted a drive through rally through a parking lot, which allowed participants, attendees to remain in their cars and slowly drive past the vendor booths, receiving all sorts of race swag along the route. This was an exceptionally special troop for a couple of reasons. Beside it being the first in-person troop they got to do, it was the first troop back for Brian P., a.k.a. Admiral Tao, the group's favorite GEC garrison webmaster and friend, who finally returned from Joint 
base Lewis McCord in Washington, retiring from the Army after 20 years of service. This was also the debut of Brian's Empire Strikes Back R2-D2 unit, after years of blood, sweat, and tears building him. They also were happy to welcome a new Imperial Support crew member, Cheryl, who joined the group during their monthly Zoom meet and greets. So we'll have a link to a photo gallery in our show notes from this troop. And thanks to Jen IC84864 for that report. On May 2nd, Empire City Garrison attended a special outdoor event at the Floral Park Library to celebrate Star Wars Week. For about an hour, Brent, TI-22071, and Matt, IG-62257, Chris, TB-6744, and Bill, TK-20177, from ECG, took photos with the attendees and some passers-by, and they were excited to visit with our troopers. The event featured some giveaways, including paper masks, bookmarks, trading cards, and balloons, and it was well attended with some very enthusiastic kids and adults. The library hopes to do another in-person event in the fall for Star Wars Reads Day. We also wanted to note that in addition to more in-person troops, Empire City Garrison had at least eight virtual troops on Zoom with various libraries and charities. Hope that we can continue to utilize this virtual meetup option, even as we get back to in-person trooping, as it's a great way to visit with even more fans. Alaskan Native Medical Center was just as excited to welcome the Star Wars clubs back to the hospital as Alaskan, as Alaskan Garrison was to be back. The first time back in the hospital since COVID, the hospital hosted a Star Wars themed May the 4th Be With You breakfast to celebrate. This annual breakfast that has been paused since the pandemic was wildly successful. Although our troopers could not go room to room just yet, R2D2 welcomed patients and their families to the windows from the courtyard of the Ronald McDonald House. There was a cart with Wookie cookies, fun water bottles with Star Wars stickers on them, raffles, tons of photos, and fun throughout the common areas of the hospital. It was R2's first trip to the hospital, and he was crazy popular with kids and adults alike. This first venture back into the hospital will lead to more regular visits in the future months to come. We'll have a link to a photo gallery in our show notes. And because one troop on May the 4th is never enough, Alaska Garrison had a second in-person event that day. After breakfast at Alaska Native Medical Center, the crew headed to the USO on Joint Base Elmendorf-Richardson to help troops and their families celebrate May the 4th. USO Alaska has just opened back up to in-person support and events since the pandemic, so folks were extra excited to see our troopers and R2-D2. All the kids came in costumes, so there were lots of Star Wars-themed snacks and shenanigans to be had. It was a great way to end a great Star Wars day. It was a sign things may be getting back to normal. We'll have a link to a photo gallery in our show notes. Thanks to Jen, IC84864, for those last two reports. And for those who have listened to our podcast for a while, you know that Alaska Garrison would go to the hospital like they had monthly visits. So this was really, really hard for them during the pandemic to to not be able to make those monthly visits, and they were over the moon that they could finally go back and, and troop at their beloved hospital. So I think a, a new garrison we haven't heard from Bloodfin recently. The members of Bloodfin Garrison, with an assist from Rebel Legion's Moss Espo base, were present for a special presentation to six-year-old Hunter Goldman, who is battling juvenile Huntington's disease. His wish is to go to Walt Disney World and to the beach dressed like Darth Vader. Another boy, Vincent Brooks, a.k.a. Little Lord Vader, saw Hunter's story on the news and wanted to donate to Hunter his treasured Darth Vader costume. 
In turn, Vincent's family reached out to the 501st Legion to help Vincent present the costume to Hunter. After our story aired about his struggle with juvenile Huntington's disease and his need to go on this trip quickly, donations poured in. His mom says the dream vacation is happening in July, but it gets even better. This weekend, some of our viewers gave Hunter a big surprise. I saw Doug Bader. I was excited. You were excited? I almost cried. Hunter was surprised with a visit from Darth Vader and his Star Wars friends. It turns out a boy from Lawrence, Vincent Brooks, a.k.a. Little Lord Vader, saw our story and wanted to donate his custom-made Darth Vader costume to Hunter. His family asked the 501st Legion, a worldwide Star Wars costuming organization, to help give the gift to Hunter while he was camping in Spencer on Saturday. Hunter was stunned. He was speechless, but he tells me he was excited times 45. You see, Hunter suffers from juvenile Huntington's disease, which is deadly. He's losing function quickly, so memories like this and his dream of walking on the beach and going to Disney World are important and time-sensitive. Since the pandemic stopped travel with the Make-A-Wish Foundation, the community's outpouring of support has meant the world to this family. Pretty speechless. Um, I was excited that everyone donated their time to be there for Hunter, and the outcome for it was amazing. How cute is that? Yeah. I mean, oh, come on. So adorable. Oh, one more thing. So, 501st Legion members, please also check the thread on the 501st Cares section of the main Legion forums for a P.O. box that was set up for Hunter if you'd like to send him some trading cards or a patch. On May 16th, Empire City Garrison spent the afternoon at the Kiwanis Classic Car Show on Long Island. They had eight characters volunteer, as well as a special visiting 501st member, Crystal, DZ32287, who joined the fun all the way from Colorado's Mountain Garrison. The event featured a car show, raffles, 50-50, vendor tables, food vendors, and much more. All proceeds went to the Kiwanis Club of the Islip's Bayshore Foundation. They had a nice turnout and a clear day for the show, but it did get a bit hot as it hit midday. Troopers had a great time interacting with the guests, handing out cards, and taking photos. They were very happy to have the 501st attend, and ECG hopes to be invited back later this year for their fall car show. Member Shoutout For this episode's member shout-out, we'd like to thank Joel Gray, TI-13879, from Lightfall Garrison in Australia, for this lovely poem he wrote based on his experiences visiting children in the hospital while costuming a Star Wars character. The Troop A poem by Joel Gray, SL13879, Nightfall Garrison, Victoria, Australia as I stand in the hallway, I take a deep breath. I know this is going to be hard. I put on my helmet and gather my thoughts. I walk in cautious, on my guard. My fellow troopers follow, their faces a mask. We are focused, ready for our task. I see you there, lying on your bed. The get well cards and flowers by your head. You've been sick for a while, you've tried to be strong. The doctors have told us that you don't have very long. You open your eyes to see us all there. A smile crosses your face as you happily stare. You open your mouth and talk very loud. I'm so glad you're here. Wow, what a crowd. 
We talk for a while. You tell us why you're there. Why you're receiving treatment. Why your little head is bare. The doctor comes in. The visit is done. We say our goodbyes and we hope that you had fun. As we walk to the change rooms, the tears start to flow. It's hard seeing you sick and it's always sad to go. Later when I'm home, I put my helmet on the shelf. I think sad thoughts. Why does this happen to kids like yourself? But as I've learned watching you fight, in times of great darkness, there is always a spark of light. Isn't that wonderful? Gosh. Right. So sweet. Yep. It's amazing. Yeah, I saw that um, posted by a different member on his Facebook page, and um, he wasn't sure where he found it at first. So I tracked that down, and I reached out to Joel, and I asked him um, if he wouldn't mind if we used it for the podcast. So I thought it was wonderful. A reminder of uh, why so many of us do this. Yep. Well, now it's time for our charity spotlight. This episode, we're going to talk a bit about Force for Change and First, which we mentioned at the top of the show as being the charity that we'll be supporting during our social media event, 1138. First, which is the acronym for for Inspiration and Recognition of Science and Technology, is a robotics community that prepares young people for the future through a suite of inclusive team-based robotics programs for ages 4 to 18, uh, like pre-K to 12th grade. And they can be facilitated in a school or a structured after-school program. Boosted by a global support system of volunteers, educators, and sponsors that include over 200 of the Fortune 500 companies, teams operate under a signature set of first core values to conduct research, fundraise, design, build, and showcase their achievements during annual challenges. An international not-for-profit organization, 501c3, founded by accomplished inventor Dean Kamen in 1989, first has a proven impact on STEM learning, interest, and skill building well beyond high school. Alumni of FIRST programs gain access to exclusive scholarships, internships, and other opportunities that create connections and open pathways to a wide variety of careers. When you place that alongside the mission statement for the Star Wars Force for Change program, you have a match made in heaven. Star Wars Force for Change aims to create transformation and change in the lives of kids by helping to bridge the STEM skills gap utilizing the fun and intrigue of Star Wars storytelling to inspire innovation, help build confidence, and ignite curiosity. In doing so, Star Wars Force for Change hopes to embolden and motivate the next generation of heroes and innovators, while also empowering the Star Wars fan community to use their fandom for good. The first robotics program was a perfect fit. The mission of FIRST is to inspire young people to be science and technology leaders and innovators by engaging them in exciting mentor-based programs that build science, engineering, and technology skills that inspire innovation and that foster well-rounded life capabilities, including self-confidence, communication, and leadership. You can learn more about FIRST at www.firstinspires.org. I'm also going to put a link in the show notes to a video that um, they put out last year for Force for Change, where the, um, they actually invited FIRST Robotics students 
to come meet with Matt Denton. And so Matt Denton got to show off BB-8 and how BB-8 works. And then the first robotics kids got to show off their robot to Matt Denton and how they built it and how they, um, you know, control it. And it was just, I loved it because Matt was so into learning what the kids built almost as much as the kids were excited to see the innards of BB-8. So it was really fantastic that, you know, there was excitement all around from both, both sides of the age groups there. As always, our official home on the web is 501st.com slash podcast, where you can post your feedback and comments and listen to previous episodes of the show. The 501st cast can be tuned in via iTunes, podcasts.com, or Stitcher. The 501st cast is an easy way to catch up on a few weeks of Legion news while driving, at the office, or working out. But if you're looking for up-to-the-minute news, you'll need to get it from our social media feeds like Facebook and Twitter. Just look us up on Facebook as the 501st Legion or go to facebook.com slash the 501st Legion. You can also follow us on Twitter as at 501st Legion or go to twitter.com slash 501st Legion. Join in the discussion as thousands of fellow fans share their passion for trooping, Star Wars, and charity. The 501st cast is also available on the iHeartRadio app. The 501st Legion is a worldwide Star Wars costuming organization comprised of and operated by Star Wars fans. While it is not sponsored by Lucasfilm Limited, it follows generally accepted ground rules for Star Wars fan groups. Star Wars, its characters, costumes, and all associated items are the intellectual property of Lucasfilm. Copyright and trademark Lucasfilm Limited. All rights reserved. Used under authorization. All proceeds went to the Kiwanis Club of the Islips Bay. Is it Islip? Islip? Islip, right? I think it's Islip. Uh, Islip, okay. Uh, the, the blooper. All proceeds went to the Kiwanis Club of the Islips Bay. Shh. Wow, another blooper. All proceeds went to the Kiwanis... Kalan- <laughs> <laughs> you slipped on Islip. Yeah, I slipped on, on Islip. <laughs> Stand at your post! <laughs>